The Bible says this. Once when Jesus was eating with them, being the disciples, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem. Somebody say, do not leave. Look at your neighbor and say it with sass. Do not leave. Don't leave. You're not allowed to leave. Come on. (laughs) Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift, the gift, the gift he promised. As I've told you before, verse 5. John the Baptist baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want to preach to you today on the subject, the gift. Look at your neighbor and say, the gift. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, the gift. Now, if this is your first time here, I'm so sorry. We are a loud bunch at near church, okay? Uh, I'm what you call a talkback preacher, which means I like it when you talk back to me. There it is. I don't like it when my kids talk back to me, but I like it when you talk back to me. And, and I'm a preacher, okay? I, I can teach too, but I'm in, in my bones, I'm a preacher. And you know what the difference is between teaching and preaching is, don't you? Teaching is telling. Preaching is yelling. <laughs> Amen? But I, I feel like preaching this morning. Are you with me? It's always, Pastor Faye preached last week so amazing, but it's always bad when I'm off for two weeks. Because I just, I'm, I'm ready. Amen? Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in our midst. Bless the word today. Let it go in our ears, into our heart, into our spirits, and let it do what it was accomplished to do. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen. So we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're not only going to be baptizing people in water. Next week, I believe people are going to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Even if they don't, they, they may today too. But I believe next week is going to be a powerful encounter with his spirit. I've been praying, I've been fasting, and believing that God's going to do something so special next week. Because next week is Pentecost Sunday. So I just believe God's going to do something. But today we're talking from Acts chapter 1. Jesus is still with his disciples. He's not ascended yet to the, to the right hand of the Father. He's been crucified. He's risen from the dead. And he's shown himself over and over and over to, to, to prove to people that he was alive. And here we see Jesus right before he goes up to heaven with his Father. And he says, I'm going to tell you something. Do not leave Jerusalem until my Father sends you the gift that he promised as I told you before. Because John, my predecessor, the one who came before me, baptized with water, but in a few days, you will go from one experience to another. You will go from being baptized with water to being baptized in my spirit. And so Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem. Don't leave. Don't leave. And that word leave in the Greek, uh, some more... Uh, things you could say about it, it means to separate, to divide, to sever. And here's what I think is interesting, to divorce. How many of you know you can be so tied to a place that it's like you're married to it? Am I talking to anybody in the house? You can be so tied to a place. He said, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem until. And how many of you know that a lot of times we end up Missing out on what God is doing because we neglect to wait on God's timing. We end up missing what God is trying to do because we like to rush God. Is there any impatient drivers in the house? Putting both hands up. 
I believe there's a special place in hell for bad drivers. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just teasing. But so often we're always in a rush. You go through a drive-thru, it takes five minutes, and you're like, Chick-fil-A has never been this slow before. <laughs> we're always in a rush. And we tend to rush what God is doing, and we miss what he's doing. Because listen, waiting, if you're taking notes, write this down. Waiting is such an important aspect of the, of the life of a believer because it's based on the presence of God. Waiting on the presence of God. And how you wait is just as important as how long you wait. I'm going to say that again. How you wait, the attitude you have when you wait, is just as key as how long you wait. Because God can be trying to open a door for you, and you have a bad attitude in the hallway waiting for the door. Well, God spoke to me and said I was going to have my own ministry, and God hasn't done it yet. He said he was going to give me a spouse. He hasn't, you know what I'm saying? We can get a bad attitude waiting on God, but how you wait is just as important as how long you wait. Is there anybody in the room this morning? So the question is, will God open the door when I'm waiting there with a bad attitude waiting for the door to open? God is saying, I want you to be patient. Waiting was commanded by Jesus to his disciples. He said, are you willing to obey my command to wait? Don't leave Jerusalem until. Which tells us there's conditions and time for the wait. Because what's interesting is, I'm going to talk about the upper room next week, Acts chapter 2 next week. But I'm, I'm going to give you just a little preview. When Jesus is speaking before his ascension, the Bible says there's 500 people surrounding him. In the upper room, how many do we see? A little Bible trivia. 120. Where are the rest of the 500? 500 had seen him risen from the dead. 500 had seen him do miracles. 500 had heard him teach on the kingdom. Yet we only see 120 in the upper room. 380 people were not willing to wait. And they missed what God was doing because they neglected to wait. How sad it must have been for them to realize that the 120 actually got it. And we went home and got nothing. We have to learn to wait, church. To wait on God. To wait on his spirit. I'm willing to wait. I said, I'm willing to wait. I was willing to wait for my spouse. Some of y'all need to quit dating around. Just wait for your spouse. That's old school. I know that is. Come on. Come on. I'm willing to wait on the right person. I don't need to be kissing on somebody else's wife. Amen, Pastor Andrew. Come on. I, I, I don't need to be feeling up someone else's wife. I don't need to be doing stuff to somebody else's wife. I'm willing to wait for the right one. I'm, I'm willing to wait for the right job, too. Come on. I need to work to eat, but I'm willing to 
to, to, to stay where I am until God says to go. Ugh. It may be uncomfortable where I am right now, but I'm willing to wait. Because if God opens the door, no man can shut it. But if I open it, it'll shut back in my face. Oh, come on. I'm willing to wait on what God is doing. I'm willing to wait when it's hard. I'm willing to wait when it's uncomfortable. I'm willing to wait when my bank account is at zero or negative. You ever had your bank account at negative? God, I'm, I'm just waiting on you. I'm willing to wait. I know what everybody else is saying in my ears. I know what the devil is telling me. I know what my flesh is telling me, but I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait when it's not convenient. I'm willing to wait when it's dramatic. Anybody got drama in your life. I'm willing to wait when so-and-so's talking about me. I'm willing to wait. Somebody tell your neighbor, I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait when no one else understands what I'm going through. When they said, how on earth are you going to move to a city when you don't have a job, you don't have a house, you don't have a church building? I'll tell you how, baby. I'm waiting on God. I'm willing to wait. Is there anybody in the house that's willing to wait this morning? Give them some praise right now. I'm willing to wait. Catch this because he's the only thing worth waiting for. I told you I came to preach this morning. I'm willing to wait because Jesus is the answer to every single problem in my life. I'm willing to wait because he's good. I'm willing to wait because he's faithful. So Jesus tells his disciples, don't leave. Wait. Stay. Now, if you're like me, I probably have ADD and just never got diagnosed for it. It's real hard to wait. <laughs> because I like to do it my way. I know I'm the only one, right? I hate waiting. But Jesus said, I want you to wait don't leave Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem. Now, that may not make much sense to you if you don't know the context. You see, earlier Jesus had said, this is the great, what we call the great commission. I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Catch that, the gospel of the kingdom. Not the prosperity gospel. Not the way you can live any way you want to gospel. No, no, no. The gospel of the Good, you got it. Into all the world, and he gives them a frame. He says, in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth, the rest of the world. So when he says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem, he's telling his disciples, don't leave the starting place. Don't leave the starting place of your assignment. Because what I'm calling you to do you cannot do without my spirit. We have too many people trying to live life without the spirit of God. We got churches, we got preachers, we got ministries. We have believers who are trying to live their life without the spirit of God. Now, remember what I said two weeks ago. The Holy Spirit is not a downgraded Jesus. He's an upgrade. Now, the Bible says from John chapter 14, when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, he calls him the advocate. Somebody say advocate. And in the Greek, it's a los parakletos, which means the same as the first. The Holy Spirit isn't less powerful than Jesus. He has the same 
ability, the same power. He's the same as the first. So Jesus says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem because I want you to receive my spirit in you. Because up until that point, the spirit of God had only been on a person. It moved on Samson when he had a jawbone of a donkey and he killed a thousand enemies with a jawbone of a donkey. Can you all imagine that? And it wasn't because Samson was awesome. It was because the spirit of God came upon him. But Jesus is saying it's going to go from glory to glory. And this new glory that you're going to step into is not just my spirit on you. It's my spirit in you. It's my spirit in you. So receiving the Holy Spirit was less about an experience, but more about their assignment. Somebody say assignment. Because listen to me this morning. The king will never give you an assignment that he hasn't given you the means to accomplish. Can I say it another way? He won't ask for a withdrawal without first making a deposit. Tweet that. Come on. He won't first ask for a withdrawal without making a deposit. He's not going to ask you to do something that the Holy Spirit inside of you isn't capable of doing. Look at your neighbor and say, has there been a deposit in you? Come on. Has Has there been a deposit in you? So starting their assignment required two things. Get this. Proximity. Don't leave. Stay in the place that I told you to stay. How many times do we miss God because we haven't stayed? Proximity and timing. Wait until, until my spirit comes. So the Holy Spirit is not only just a person, but Jesus describes him as a gift. Now, have y'all ever received a terrible gift? <laughs> Come on. I've received some rough gifts. I mean some rough gifts. And it's usually in White Elephant on Christmas. Or that one person in your family that gets you the weirdest gifts like ever. Like, what am I going to do with that? I can't. Have you ever re-gifted something? <laughs> but how many of you have gotten something that's like, I can't even re-gift this. Goodwill won't take it. I can't pay someone to take it. This is so weird. This is a weird gift. And it ends up either in the trash <laughs> or on a shelf in the closet in the basement where no one else can see it, even by accident. Are you with me? It ends up on a shelf to collect dust. And years later, maybe you end up opening that gift. I know it's weird, but I'm just going to open it up. I- I'm curious. I'm curious what it really is. And it was actually a really great gift. Come on. Have you ever gotten one of those? I thought it was terrible. I thought it was weird. But really, it was a great gift. And what we end up doing is spending wasted time of not using the thing that could have been useful to us. Because we didn't know what we had. We didn't know what we had. And part of our problem with the Holy Spirit is we don't know what we have. Right. 
We don't understand what Jesus said is the gift. Somebody say the gift. And maybe some of you have had some really strange church experiences. I know I have. Anybody ever had a strange church experience? Yeah, I've had some weird ones. I was in one church where, can I just tell some funny church stories? I have the mic, so I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I was in one church where they would run when they got excited about Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. You want to run? God bless. But they ran so much that there were shoe marks, scuffs on the walls because they had ran so much. I mean, talk about weird, right? Or there was this one time where a lady, we, we believe in, in prophetic words and stuff like that here at New York Church. This lady stood up and prophesied and said, for I, as I was with Moses in the ark, so shall I be with you. And she sat down. And some of y'all think I made a mistake there. I didn't. As I was with Moses in the ark, so I'll be with you. And she stood up a few moments later and said, for yay, the spirit made a mistake. You ever had some weird church experiences? You ever seen some of those videos where somebody ends up swimming in the baptistry pool? Or, I mean, there's just all kinds of weird stuff. And because of the weirdness, because listen, the Holy Spirit is not weird. That person was weird before the Holy Spirit ever got on them. Come on. They were already weird. The Holy Spirit didn't do it. We blame the Holy Spirit for weird stuff all the time. No, he didn't make you jump in a baptistry pool. You did that boo-boo. You're the weird one. And because of our experience, we end up putting a gift that God wanted us to use on a daily basis on some back shelf, and we don't know what we really have. And the beautiful thing about it is it's a gift. A gift with no strings attached, y'all. You ever had somebody give you a gift and they're like, now I'm giving you this, but I need you to do A, B, and C. That's not how it works. Jesus says, I give you the gift, which means I can't earn it. I can't work hard enough for it. I can't pray hard enough for it. That's not what it is. It's a gift that Jesus says, I freely give you. Now I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to make sure that you're covered. Here's a gift. Here's a gift. Here's a gift. Somebody say, here's a gift. I'm thankful for the gift. Because there were times in my life where I didn't know how I was going to make it through. There were times in my ministry that I felt like giving up. You ever felt that way? I wanted to give up. I wanted to throw in the towel. And sometimes we neglect the gift. Because of what's going on in our life. But remember, God will never ask you for something that he hasn't first put in you. I know you may feel burnt out. I know you may feel like giving up. But you have a gift. I'm not talking about your talent. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. You have a gift that you need to go back in that closet. Shake off the dust and open the gift up again. Are you thankful for the gift this morning? Give God some, some praise right now. I'm thankful for the gift. I'm thankful for the gift. Now, he says, I'm giving you a gift. And then in the next verse, he says, John baptized you with water. 
It's what we're doing next week. John the Baptist baptized you with water. And in Matthew 3 and 11, John says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming who is greater than I, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to carry or tie his sandals. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, I told you I was going to preach. I'm going to teach for a few moments. Can you stay with me? Anybody bored in the house? Good. We have a comparison here between the baptism of John and the baptism of Jesus. John's baptism is a baptism of water. It's a baptism of repentance. How many of you know what repentance means? It doesn't mean to say I'm sorry. That's what we think it means. You need to be sorry for your sins. Yeah, you do. But that's not what repentance is. Repentance in its literal form means to turn another direction and go. To leave what you're doing and go the opposite way. Because listen, y'all. Sin will mess you up. Sin will mess you up. I know this is cheesy, but sin will fascinate you than assassinate you. It'll mess you up. But John's baptism calls us into repentance. Father, I'm not going to live the way I've lived. I'm not going to hang out with the same people. I'm not going to do the same things. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. Now, because of the payment of Jesus on Calvary for our sins, we are now, when we get saved, when we are born into the kingdom, because that's the only way you get into the kingdom is if you're born again, we're now born of the Spirit. Somebody say born of the Spirit. I'm in my flesh still. I'm still Andrew Butler. I'm here. All bunch of me. Come on. But now I'm not only born in water, born of a woman, I'm born of the Spirit. Which the Bible says, when you're born again, you are now a new creature, a new person in Christ. Old things have passed away. They've died. Aren't you glad the old you died? I hated the old me. The old me was greedy. The old me was full of lust. The old me was selfish. The old me was full of me. But the old man has died, and now we are born of the Spirit. So John's baptism represents salvation. This is the first work of Calvary, of the cross, to be saved. Are you saved in the house this morning? You're born again? I'm glad to be born again this morning. We are saved. But Jesus is saying, that's great, but there's more to this than just salvation. Look at your neighbor and say, there's more to this. There's more to this. You've been born of the Spirit. And when you're born of the Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit. Because I remember growing up, people would be like, you need to pray that you get the Spirit of God. I'm like, I thought I did. I thought I already had him. Because when I'm saved, I get the Holy Spirit. 
So don't let anyone convince you that you do not have the Holy Spirit when you're saved. That's not true. It's the first step. I'm taking the first step. But many people's experience has stopped there at salvation. And you can make it with salvation. The Holy Spirit will tell you, don't talk to your wife that way. Don't do this. Don't do that. Go over there and do this. So how many of you know the Holy Spirit doesn't just tell you things not to do? <laughs> He's not just constantly condemning you in your head. That's nowhere in the scripture. So you have the Holy Spirit, but most people's experience stops right there. And this is where the disciples were too. They had the Holy Spirit. The Bible says earlier on that Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on them. He went, and they were saved. They were born again. They were born of the Spirit. Everybody still with me this morning? They were born of the Spirit, but now they had an assignment from God to fulfill in the earth. You have an assignment. You have a call on your life. You have something that only you can do in the earth. You're like, me? Yeah. But pastor, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. But God called you to do it anyway. He purposed it in you before you were ever born. And he knew that you would mess up. And he knew that you would make mistakes. And he knew that you would get divorced. And he knew that you would get addicted. And he knew that you would mess things up. But he said, my call on you is still the same. I wish somebody would hear that this morning. That I know you may be in a season of failure right now, but God says, I have an assignment for you. I've not given up on you. Your parents may have given up on you. Your friends may have given up on you, your spouse. But I, the Lord God, have not given up on you. I called you. I chose you. I have an assignment for you. I have something special for you to do in the earth. I have something for you. You're chosen. You're chosen. If you don't hear another thing I say this morning, you were chosen for destiny. You were chosen for greatness. You weren't made to live a mediocre life. No, you weren't made to just barely make it by. God said, I want you to thrive. And I believe we're in a season where believers are going to go from just surviving to thriving. Ugh. We're going to go from just barely making it, just being saved, to a new experience in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> a new experience in the Holy Spirit. Because listen, after you're saved, you don't just get to sit around. Ouch. I'm sorry. That's the Bible, not me. Don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. <laughs> I don't get to sit around. Because God has not called me to be a spectator. God has not called me to be a spectator. To just look at what God's doing. 
to see other people do what God's doing, to just barely see it, to barely get by. God hasn't called me to be a spectator. Get this in your spirit this morning. God has called me to be a participator. Uh, He hasn't called me to just look. He's called me to step in it and do it. That's why William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said, I'm not waiting on a move of God. I am a move of God. He wasn't being arrogant. He was saying, I know that there is something in me that took me from just looking and saying, I'm just going to see what God is doing to stepping in it and saying, I don't want to just look at it. I want to be right there in the middle, baby. I want to be in it. I want to be a part of it. I want to do it. So today, God is going to take some of you from just looking what God's doing to doing it. Man, I feel like running this morning. God wants to take you from just looking at it, spectating to being a participant. Ah. I'm going to take you from looking at it to doing it. And some of you have been like, Pastor, I've had no purpose in my life. There it is. Now you have your purpose. Get in what God's doing. Wait on God. Get into what God is doing at Bowling Green, Kentucky. Because y'all, we're here for nothing less than a move of God. Man, I feel like preaching this morning. God wants to use you. Oh, you didn't hear me this morning. I said God wants to use you. God has something for you. God has an assignment. If you believe that, if you believe that God has called you, he's anointed you for such a time as this, that you were born for this moment, can we give him 20 seconds of praise right now? Come on, he deserves more than that. If you really believe it, I dare you to give him a praise break right now. Come on. That's it, bro. He's standing up saying, I believe it. I believe God has called me. I believe he's chosen me. I'm not nothing. I'm not the tail. I'm the head. I'm Jesus' son. I am a son in the kingdom of heaven. Man, I feel it this morning. God has called us to bring heaven to earth. And I can't bring heaven to earth if I'm just a spectator. Uh, I can't wait to go to heaven, but we're not called to just go to heaven. Salvation is not a get out of hell free card, (laughs) y'all. It's an invitation to a life of the supernatural. It's an invitation to a life of the supernatural. Well, I'm not just waiting to get to heaven. I'm bringing heaven to earth. Oh. Jesus. Y'all feel that? I'm called to bring heaven to earth here and now. And this is why God gave us the Holy Spirit. This is why God gave us the gift. Not so we could strut around and say, I'm a Pentecostal. I'm filled with God's spirit. Is Bishop Jake's in the room somewhere? No. No. That's not why. It's not even so you can feel God. Can I correct some theology for a second? God didn't give you the Holy Spirit to feel God. He gave it to you for assignment. 
Not that he won't let you feel him. I feel him right now. But he gave you the Holy Spirit for assignment. I've taught this before, but I'm going to teach you real quick. I still got 11 minutes on my, my timer. Can you all stay with me 11 more minutes? How many of you would say it? Raise your hand. 11, 22, 33, 40. Got it. I'm good. In heaven, there is no sickness. There's no tears. There's no bank accounts. <laughs> Come on, Holy Ghost. There's none of that. No racism. No COVID-19. Y'all, we're about over that. Aren't you glad? I'm so tired of COVID. There won't be COVID in heaven. None of that. There may be a person you don't like. <laughs> You're like, how'd they make it here? <laughs> Heaven's perfect. And our call is to bring heaven to earth. You say, where's that in the Bible? Jesus prays it. And we skip over it in the Lord's Prayer all the time. He says, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it already is in heaven. Which means that you and I are called to bring the culture, the atmosphere of heaven to earth. So what's the culture? There's no sickness. We believe in healing. Because why would God have it there but not want to bring it here? Why can't we eradicate racism from Bowling Green, Kentucky? Who says? Who says? Jesus didn't die for just a white guy. I hate to tell you all, Jesus wasn't white. Come on. Come on. Racism is from the pit of hell. Racism, because the Bible tells us that God gave man dominion. This isn't in my notes. Is that okay? Can I just go off script for a second? Bible says that God gave man dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every creeping thing or cattle or animals. He never says that we have dominion over one another. And racism is an illegal use of dominion. This may offend you. Racism can go to the pit of hell that it came from. Because in heaven, there will be no black, there will be no white, there will be no Latino, there will be no Asian, there will be none of that. You know why? Because Jesus put it on the cross. Oh. Why can't we bring heaven to earth now? Why can't we? Something I'm, I'm really passionate about, my wife and I, why can't we? eradicate poverty why not you know what we want to do i'm praying somebody just gives the funds to do it we want to start a food truck that is free but it ain't for us it's for the homeless and for those who are struggling and when they came up and, and come up and say how much say nothing jesus paid for it why can't we do that why can't we? 
Why can't their church be the most creative institution in the earth? Watch out, Disney. Disney Plus? I've never heard of that. I've heard of Near Plus. <laughs> Why? Why can't we? Religion has told us for so long. Don't you hate religion? It's told us for so long, these are the measurements you can live in. This is what you can and cannot do. When God says, I have purpose for you, and it's to bring heaven to earth. It's to bring heaven to earth. It's to make Bowling Green look like heaven. Are you with me this morning? Look at your neighbor and say, are you with him? You with him? You with him? You with him? You have an assignment. And the Holy Spirit is given to us. It's a gift for assignment. So I want to tell you today, God wants to take you to a new experience. And at Near Church, we are committed to taking people into the presence of God so they can experience what they've been missing. Now, there are so many amazing churches in town. So many amazing pastors. I've got to meet a lot of them, attend their churches. Just amazing people. So don't take this the wrong way. But we've had so many people show up here and say, there's nothing like this here. And you know what? It's not me. You can get on YouTube and find any preacher better than me. That's not what it is. I know we have the best worship leader in the world. <laughs> I know that, but that's not what it is. Because when I ask them, okay, I would like some feedback. What is it? They said, we feel God. We experience God. Like, he, like he's in the room or something. I'm like, he is. He's here. He's here. And we are committed here for you to not live a stale Christian life. But to live your assignment, that's my kid crying now. Crying right now, it's all right. He'll be all right. <laughs> We're committed to taking you, as the Bible says, from glory to glory. So I will not apologize for being loud. I will not apologize for people praising a way that you may not feel comfortable with. I will not apologize because this is a place for the Spirit of God to move freely. For the Spirit of God to move freely. We're here, you ready for this? To make you hungry. Are there any hungry people in the room? I'm not talking about food. I'm, I'm real hungry, y'all. <laughs> like really hungry. I know it doesn't look it, but I'm hungry right now. But that's not what I mean. I mean, I'm hungry for God. I'm hungry for something greater than myself. Are there any hungry people in the room today? Come on, says, is there any hungry people in the room today? Bro, you need to come more often. You know how to back a preacher up. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm hungry. And Jesus said, if you hunger and thirst after my righteousness, you might be filled. 
You'll be filled if you have it all together. No. He said, you will be filled. What's he saying? He will fill you according to your hunger. If you want a little cup full, he'll give you a little cup full. If you want a pitcher full, will you hand me that? Thank you, Kristen. He'll fill this up too. If I have a bucket, he'll fill that up too. He'll fill me according to his hunger. And there was a man named Smith Wigglesworth who operated in miracle signs and wonders. He was a man that God just used in such a profound way. And the story goes that he went to Niagara Falls and he said, fill me like that, God. I want you to fill me like that. Because he knew if we'll get hungry enough for him, he'll fill it. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about. It's not just about speaking in tongues. We believe in that. That may seem weird to you. I'm going to teach about it next week, specifically about it next week. But that's not just what the Holy Spirit is for. He said, I gave it to you for assignment and to go from glory to glory. To make you hungry, Jordan, if you'll come. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water. But there's someone coming after me. Who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He doesn't stop there. He says, and fire. This baptism will not only affect you but it will start affecting people around you. Because how many of you know fire can be uncontrollable? People, it's your job will notice you're different. People, it's your family reunion will be like, what's with him? He's not doing the same stuff he used to do anymore. Why? I have the Holy Spirit. And so today, I want to give you an invitation. And it's not just an invitation to come up here and let me pray for you. It's far more than that. It's an invitation to experience the Holy Spirit.